Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Well, it's Thursday, November uh, 5th, right? Third, fourth, fifth? fifth? Something. Well, something. We're, yeah. we're recording this on Monday, November 9th, uh, 2nd, as we, as we usually right. do early, a few days ahead. Pre-election. But, pre-election which is so nerve-wracking the think that when this comes out we either potentially if news comes it could be a totally different world right. or it could be the same world we could all, <laughs> same world but worse and and we're we're just giddily going on yeah it's yeah very so, surreal. so with ta- other news so take it all with a grain of salt we obviously won't be we don't know the outcome of the election just yet so uh so this is just kind of like a this is just like a little freebie just yeah, enjoy sit, this. Sit back and drink it in from a from a time Have a vaguely, vaguely more innocent. So uh, either continue then, yeah. your your victory dance and listen to us for That's some right. relaxation, or distract yourself from the hellfire that we're about right. to endure right. for another right. four years with our podcast. <laughs> Yay! Or 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 if there's no decision at all, no just decision. sit there anxiously just, and keep yeah, eating the right. uh, yeah, drinking all day. Yeah, but anyway, Ugh. let's let's start, Elliot. Yeah, so um, have you guys heard of the term homosexual? Not until you sent it yes. this week, but <laughs> but yes, now I have, yes. So there was this, like, you know, clearly this is, like, one of the uh, New York Times thought pieces that I think ultimately is meant to just be conversational among people who read the it's New York Times. It's meant for you. Yeah, exactly. It's meant for you. Yeah, some, like, yeah. bizarre but... blog that only Elliot goes to. <laughs> yes. They talked yeah. about Autostraddle on one of my other favorite podcasts this week. Oh. So, just so you know. All right. Um, but homosexual was coined uh, by, well, it was spoken about in this article in the Times. Um, the whole article was basically about the idea of, well, I was going to say men, but really boys... Mm. using TikTok and social media in general, but mostly TikTok to basically present as gay or uh, gay adjacent while actually not being gay. Gay. And very sexualized, yeah. Very sexualized. So the idea is that these homosexuals, quote unquote, you know, there's obviously videos, as they they say in the article, of, uh, of there's the videos of guys, straight guys, spooning with their buddies, cruising each other on the streets while walking with their girlfriends dancing shirtless yeah going in for kisses dancing shirtless admiring each other's physiques Mm -hmm. and so it's this it's really strange because ultimately what these kids if we're going to say that are doing are creating homoeroticism and like not just teasing it like a nick jonas type of thing but really uh going creating homoeroticism without Mm -hmm. fully you know um Go, you know, actually having sex on camera, but mm. it's for the purpose of getting views and views. likes. Yeah, and it's just so interesting because obviously yeah. we grew up in a time that was different. You know, it was the, the last thing you wanted to be do was yeah. be caught as being gay. So it's just such an it's an interesting idea. Yeah, like, you know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, obviously, I think you know, fundamentally, you know, I guess this this one could view this as sort of uh, interpret this as like an acceptance of homosexuality, which is of course I think a good thing. So in that sense, I have nothing nothing wrong with it. But I just find, I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't like TikTok and I, I'm 
absolutely gobsmacked at how sexualized it is with the dancing. Gobsmacked. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm Excuse gobsmacked. me. Absolutely gobsmacked. You know what? How dare you? <laughs> oh, cheerio, Brent. Right. Okay, podcast is over. Um, I've said gobsmacked before, by the way, just so you know. It's funny. Uh, but no, I, I just, I'm just... I'm uh, kerfuffled. I'm trying to think of like another ridiculous verb to use. You're still that guy. Um, You're still Mary Poppins' yeah. dad. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just find it very strange to see like shirtless teenagers dancing like, like, how do you call erotically with each other just so yeah. like, mm -hmm. uh, like a bunch of like, like Chinese teenagers and like horny dudes in America and, and shit will, will tune in. I'm yeah. obviously being a little crass with my stereotypes there, but like, it's, it's huge. In China. Like, like TikTok, like a huge percentage of, the, of their followers are in China and it's almost yeah. a, a very commonly teenagers there. Where we should say it is against the law to <laughs> right. be gay right. in China. So we should we should definitely say that that people in China use Grinder on the DL and it is illegal to post certain gay things on social media platforms, their social media platforms. Yeah. So yeah, it's not great to be gay in China. Uh, but I mean, for me, I don't think this shows an open acceptance of homosexuality. You don't? I think this this shows that no, not at all. Huh. I think this shows a a. You know, people will put aside any bias or anything that stands in their way if it becomes either socially, financially, or professionally beneficial to them. You know, just like with marriage equality, like with Republicans. Republicans aren't going out there being like, the gays can't get married anymore because it basically became an issue where corporations were like, eh, we're fine mm. with it. We're going to make mm, money off right. of it. And then they all got on board. So, like, with these kids, just like on Instagram with all the thoughty, thoughty Instagram posts out there, some of them are of straight guys who recognized that, and even on OnlyFans and shit, guy, like straight dudes who have OnlyFans, like they know that if they show their hole, that they will get more subscribers and more likes because gay men want that. And they want to see that straight man go a little gay. It's the appeal of Sean Cody. It's all of that shit. Well, that that this, 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 this concept of like they're going to benefit from playing gay and it's all at the expense of actual gay men my, my favorite I mean? thing it's, is like the like straight guys who are clearly go like are clearly looking to you know to appeal to the male gaze yeah, g-a-z-e yeah. but when they do that they also double down on insisting that we know that they're straight by mentioning like you know doing like a meme about like when my girl or when a girl blah blah yeah. blah, blah. Mm -hmm, and it's yeah. like Yes, but you're also like sticking your butt out and ultimately what you're doing is trying to appeal to gay men. And you know that, you know? Yeah. But what's interesting is that with the TikTok uh, guys, um, there's a sociologist from London. Uh, he's at the University of Roehampton. Never heard of it. But uh, he's a sociologist there and he studies the behavior, the sexual behavior of young men. And he says that it's not just that they're that like homophobia is declined and it's not just that they're looking for likes he says that they're parroting parodying the idea that anybody would be uncomfortable with them toying with being gay and that they're doing it as an act of rebellion which is so no. why well he i mean he says that it's an act of rebellion no. He wanted to be quoted in a newspaper. <laughs> well, I mean, that being said, I can understand now. It's just we've come so far so quickly to imagine the idea yeah. that if that were true, that, you know, in like in our generation, you rebelled by, you know, being a, a 
bad kid and and you know you know uh, sort of being subordinate and now you rebel by making fun of your parents potential homophobia you know i i think i probably fall a little bit between you and alan on this where like i i don't think i i think if people are doing this i think it probably represents a a generalized comfort with the idea of homosexuality which i think is a good thing I, I would probably also guess that that professor is maybe being a little broad strokey with with his uh, with his mm-hmm. assessment of why these dare I say dumb teenagers are doing these <laughs> making these dumb videos. Um, so in that sense, like it's I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, like it happens. I mean, as someone who who has historically read a lot of not only watch a lot of gay porn but also read a lot of gay porn blogs about gossipy gossipy mm-hmm. blogs about gay porn stars is that they're very frequently really conservative guys. They're, you know, if you ever learn anything about them as people, they're constantly getting arrested. This isn't to say everyone, but they're all (laughs) like, these gay porn stars are always getting arrested. They're very rarely actually gay. Uh, If you like look up like, like their social media feeds, which are usually pretty easy to find, they're, they love, they're usually Republicans, but you know, it's possible. And doesn't that make them <laughs> right? Come on, but it's let's also possible be real. That, that you know there are these people that maybe I don't agree with how they vote and how they carry how they carry out their lives, but like, but maybe they're also not you know anti-gay because they fucked a guy on camera and they're and they're that's kind of they're they're in the, sort of almost this homeo homosexual I will, category. I will say though that these kids doing this, I don't necessarily think is harmful or hurting queer people in any way only because of the era we're in if if tiktok existed 30 years ago and they were finding a way to do this to to block the sort of growth of queer social media influencers yeah i think it would be a problem but today you have the biggest social media influencers out there are queer or queer adjacent and they're all like you know I think it's just really I mean Jeffree Star is a complicated person but he is one of the most subscribed person on YouTube he's one of the biggest social media influencers I mean James Charles Mm -hmm. a lot of the beauty influencers etc they are massive and they have crossover appeal with different demographics and different markets and they're on like I saw Jeffree Star on one of um, what's his name Mr. Beasts he's like a YouTube sort of game show guy he's massive he's one of the biggest people Mm -hmm. on YouTube and Jeffree Star was on that so there is this sort of wide acceptance of queer personalities within social media spaces. And I think these kids aren't doing anything other than being very desperate for what a lot of actually talented queer people are doing on social media. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's, it's more desperation than it is. Talent What's crazy is that kids. the vast majority, whether or not it's for, atten- I mean, obviously it's all for attention. And, you know, even if it's not meant to be, um, actually sexual or it's more tongue-in-cheek the majority of commenters apparently are female and so it's all mm-hmm. these yeah. there well that's the internet i know but it's such a it's such a strange uh it's such a strange mathematical uh, math problem yeah. boy straight boy plus straight boy acting gay appeals to straight girls mm-hmm. it's such a weird spot. well look at rupaul's drag race the audience is primarily women i mean women appeal and are a market for queer entertainment yeah. in general i i just, just you know. to go full circle i i do think about what you were saying brent before about the idea of tiktok and um instagram and social media but particularly tiktok and, and instagram right. it is i wonder what you guys think about the idea that you know in a way yeah these are so 
so much of it traffics in like sexuality and obviously yeah. like kids and adolescents and teenagers are like horny and weird and gross yeah. but i wonder like do you guys think it was always this way and this has just let that out more do you think it was different when we were oh you mean we like teenagers in, in the 60s did like did like my dad and his friends like dance in their in their bedrooms together and <laughs> no like no video, i mean but... we're, we're horny teenagers trafficking not trafficking but like were they as openly no no were they as openly i mean straight gay whatever Mm -hmm, were mm -hmm. they would they have been this um exhibitionist with each other and with the public if they had the opportunity or has the world given them oh oh oh. like is it i think yeah i think i think if it i mean if the culture had allowed it for i would almost i think it's probably inherent for a lot of people to be open and like sexy i guess mm. uh even as like can you tell uh, it's foreign to me <laughs> well but even like i mean i'm thinking of like you know my high school days like if someone had a pool we'd all go skinny dipping or something and it would be like a group of different people who i mean like when there's a party and we're yeah. drinking and there's like you know the parents are gone and like yeah that would happen and there were women there there were straight men there and then there was me there i'm usually the solo mm. one and it was it was it wasn't. It was like exhibitionist, but because of opportunity. And so, yeah. if the opportunity was given, we're going to get huh. it. We're going to yeah. grab it. And I think that exists. I think that has always existed in some Interesting. form. Well, in high school, I went to Shake Shack or Steak and Shake like <laughs> every weekend with my friend Adam, and we never skinny dipped. So there you go. Those cheesy fries, though. Those Killer. cheesy fries. Killer. Killer cheesy fries. <laughs> Not even joking. Uh, oh, everyone, this is such a delight. We are joined by friend of the podcast, friend of mine, and ECNY award-nominated comedian, Dan. I forgot about the Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't too. remember. Did well, you guys ever win one? I was nominated. No, I'm a two-time one. nominee, guys. <laughs> yeah. ECNYs were a... a uh, a ridiculous fake ridiculous. award show for specific, specifically alt-based comedians in for New York between like 2005 right? and 2000, 2010. But the best part was, and let me tell you why I like teasing Dan. When Dan made his uh, his network TV debut, on, I didn't I know it was, it was fake. Fallon. I didn't know it was fake. <laughs> His intro, his intro card said, this guy was recently nominated for an ECNY award. <laughs> and I, I didn't know it was fake. Dan. I didn't know <laughs> it was you put fake. put that on the credit card? Did they say it on air? They said it on air, right? Yes, oh yes. God, it's it's not that they were, it's not that they were fake. It's that it's they were. so embarrassing. Um, I, it's, it's my Ridiculous, but you. also like, they're like, a, it was a, sort of like a, almost ridiculous. like a flirt. They were like, it was like a fraternity oh. kind of thing. Wait, like, explain what they were. Yeah, self-masturbatory. Self-masturbatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll just, I mean, I'll just come out and say this shit is so, like, painful doing this for a living that, like, anytime anyone's like, good job, you're like, oh, thank you. This wasn't a stupid thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not realizing it's actually just a lame, that's a lame thing to do in public. Yeah, absolutely. But Dan, tell us about you. How are you doing? How are things? You're, I think in, New you're, you're in Massachusetts. Well, I've been, right been wrecked with DCNY since losing, um, <laughs> losing to Kate McKinnon. Um, she's doing okay. Yeah, she's doing she's all right. Fine. She's doing all right. Um, I'm good, man. I'm in Massachusetts. Yeah. How's that? Uh, with my wife, and we're just, she's working, and I'm 
you know, working, I guess. I mean, it's, 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 it's just a weird, it's a weird time. We got out of, we got out of New York and we may come to LA, but mm-hmm. not if, I, I don't know, man, it just feels like I just want to be able to breathe. <laughs> That's my yeah. only yeah. concern. And you do, you do come across as the kind of guy who would frequently have labored breathing. That does seem like <laughs> yeah, that yeah, would be. You seem sure. like a heavy breather. Th- yeah, I'm a New thing. Balance ad. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So what's it like? I mean, what was it like leaving New York and going to Mass? Like, how's it? How's it been? I mean, it, I just like, doesn't feel permanent. Shock? It just felt. Yeah. It feels. Um, it feels very temporary, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. That's all. I mean, we've been bouncing from Airbnb. I was like with my mother-in-law for like a month and a half of it. Yeah. Like. Yeah. It was just all over the place. So what was that like? What I was mean, it like being with? Yeah, I don't. It doesn't feel like I live in Massachusetts now. It just feels like I'm staying somewhere else. Isn't it? It's it's just like I I sometimes can't wrap my head around because I've always been a really social person. So I leave the house constantly, right. and 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 but also in like small small chunks. I would leave the house to get work done. I would come back for lunch. I would leave again. I would go to the gym. I would come back. I would sometimes leave for shows. And I just, I sometimes I can't believe that I'll spend entire days without leaving. I mean, obviously that's what we're all doing right now, but like, it's just so slowly become like grandfathered into my life. And I'm like, I just kind of take it for granted now that when I wake up, I just go from my bed, sit laying in my bed, (laughs) sitting in a chair. And then I go from sitting in a chair. Sometimes I sit on my porch, my balcony, and then I go back onto the chair. And then, you know, maybe I jerk off and go to bed like six (laughs) hours later. That's my whole life Right. right now. Oh, dude, I, I mean, like, I, uh, the books I thought I was going to read during this, <laughs> the languages the I thought that I was going to learn, that yes. I just gained enough weight to look like a fucking TLC special. Like, that's where I'm headed. Uh, one of one of my favorite things about you is, you know, I've known Dan and you've been a dear friend of mine for, for, for many years. One of my favorite things, <laughs> one of my favorite things is you once told me that you actually will very will occasionally get like this spur of energy to go solve a cold case. Do you remember, remember how you've told me this in the past? Yes. And that like, and that you've never quite done it, but you've been like close to like going down to a police station, to be like, no, I've called. Give me yeah, what- <laughs> I called police. I've called a police station, and uh, <laughs> I asked them. I said, it was like a guy. He clearly had gone through this before, because I was like, hey man, I just wondered if there's like a cold case, and you guys aren't like investigate is not an open case <laughs> am i able to like uh go in and investigate it and he just pauses He's like yeah so yeah. <laughs> you have well thank you man. have you what really you do for the cold case like yeah did you act no i would always stop my and sarah got me like a detective's kit too right. oh my oh, god wow. i have a feeling the detective's kit might not help you in the cold case investigation <laughs> like a magnifying that might be a glass. thing for children yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A compass isn't going to help me find DNA from 1987. <laughs> what right. the hell are you going to do with DNA? Honestly, you're going to go home and try to like put like like pee on it because it brings the blood out, the mystery blood out. Ew. <laughs> now, Dan, you and Sarah just got a second dog in addition to Mushu. Who's the new baby? Yeah, Mushu's on the She's a lot. What's her name? It is oh, kind of yeah. funny how, like uh, just. Like I'm sorry, just going back to that for a second. It's funny how like serial killers are caught, are caught now because it used to be like oh, this amazing like Zodiac, everyone's deciphered, <laughs> and now it's like yeah, this guy like farted on a napkin at Ruby Tuesdays, <laughs> grabbed the napkin, and turned out. It's all through it's 23 just and Mina. Romantic. 
way to solve a murder. It's all through like mm. genealogy now. They just literally, I yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one gigantic fucked up ancestry.com. And we're all stupid you enough know. to give our blood to these companies so that you know a serial killer in our bloodline will be caught. <laughs> you know, you know what's really embarrassing? I've actually had the thought before. I found out recently that they can do a DNA a DNA test uh, from any bodily function, including feces. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because I had had like a bunch of like fantasies about shitting on people's graves. For some reason, that's Wait, always been like a big why? thing for me. I'm like, hey, I really hate this person. I'm gonna find. I'm not just gonna piss on their grave. I'm gonna shit on their grave. <laughs> but then, like, but then I'm like, well, what if like the per- what if like the family members find like because they'll know it's like not a dog. It wasn't like a dog that like took a shit. There'll be enough because anyone shit who's lived in New York like, this was a knows human, human shit. and that they'll like do like they'll swab it and they'll like Dude, DNA it and all and then like <laughs> and then I'll, it'll come back to me and I'll get like arrested for like shitting on. I guess it's like bare like that's like misdemeanor vandalism. Or yeah, and they're not right? gonna spend the money doing a DNA though. test on your shit on a grave. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's actually a very good point. That makes me feel a lot yeah, better, and I you're appreciate welcome. that. Alan. You're welcome. Wait, no. So Dan, tell us I'm about just the dollops. Come out and say it. When I die, anyone can dookie on my grave. Just fucking poo poo away. I don't give a, a lot. Right. Of, right that's I have kinda... a feeling a lot of people. Oh, go ahead. Will. A lot of people will. Hey, hey I'm sorry. Here's something. So, I feel like over the years now, we're we're obviously friends. I sang at your wedding. Um, just FYI to the listeners. Whoa. Now, but let me wow. let me ask. I feel like over the years. We've sort of, there's been sort of like a mythical uh, uh, mixed bag of deciding like if, if you experimented with guys like once or like, didn't you say you did once? Yes. I mean, a cu- I was like, a cu- I mean, a couple times, but yeah, like n- nothing like serious except for like once. And then like, you know, man, I went to theater school. So we were all like making out with each other. And yeah. Shit. You know, that's like. <laughs> these parties you know everybody was like maybe i'll try this you know yeah uh, but, but yeah, what, was, what was the one time what, i mean you don't have to go into specifics I mean, it's, like, it was just a, it was just a drunken night you know yeah. um <laughs> and uh yeah i mean i talk about it i used to talk about it in my act a lot i think i just like <laughs> put it on instagram now but it just was put it on instagram. yeah i mean like he's doing great i mean like i like my joke that i used to have was like he was like like I, I like hooked up with like a Tony Award winner. Like I like I went gay and I was like with the LeBron James of gays. You know, like you know, like but I go back to straight and then I'm back to like girl who tried to kill herself when it was manager at a guitar center. You know, it's right, like right, 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 yeah. right. It's not as it's not as fucking prestigious. I, mean, I personally well, would love right. to know what like what did happen if you don't if you don't mind. <laughs> of course, Elliot would personally. And by the way, love just so you know, know, Elliot's like. Trying to get a tingle yes. from this, he's like, he's like, <laughs> Elliot's pulling a seat. Jeffrey Tubin right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I just love learning more about my, got, my friend Dan. I gave an HJ, and then he gave a BJ, and nobody, nobody really <laughs> wow. finished. Oh. Wow, nobody finished. Wait, nobody really. Yeah, what finished? is that what, like? So, it, would you, you yeah, guys just kind of gave up? Free fucking jizz. <laughs> <laughs> Some cautionary jizz. Yeah. And for you, was that the first? Was that just like this is not for me? Was it something you considered just because you were in theater school, or was it? I mean, I mean, I think it's just like I, I mean, like how long would it take before like I prefer right. women? I don't consider mm-hmm. myself bisexual, right. but mm-hmm. I, I prefer women. But like, 
if there were no women in the world, I don't know if I would be a eunuch for the rest right. of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that that I mean, I think that speaks to like what I've been saying, and you guys have made fun of me for years, is that like male sexuality is a lot more fluid, not a lot, but it is more fluid than we like to believe, and that the possibility of a straight dude getting a hand job or giving a blow job in their teens or early twenties and yet living a very happily married life later on is possible. Like it's, I think I, I haven't made fun of that. I agree to that. I've never made fun of that. No, I, I would like, I would like to quote quote Brent Sullivan, H Allen Uh giving straight 20 men, straight men blow jobs in high school, left the whole (laughs) football team. Literally. That was the quote. (laughs) <laughs> maybe I was skeptical maybe, of you blowing twenty maybe. guys on because the football you made that up team, in I your head. Disagree with the fundamental. <laughs> I disagree with the. I don't disagree with the you fundamentals. But twenty someone, guys on Someone's backtracking. Yeah, someone's backtracking now. No, so, <laughs> well, you shouldn't have fucking led with such a crazy. No, I didn't lead with it. That was totally made up by Brent. <laughs> I gave I gave two straight dudes a blowjob in high school, and it becomes twenty people on a football team. What's going on? Wait, I'm pretty sure, Elliot. Am I wrong here? I'm pretty sure Alan's talked about like fucking the whole, not the whole no. football team, but like no. I didn't know it was two. I mean, I'm on board with two. Literally, can, you think? I, I thought you said you like bent over for all of them. No, I never said that. What I is thought, happening oh, in your head? I that's what I was. I, mean, I that's what I I was. I, I was thought you had. This. I thought you had um, suggested that. You were the go-to like hookup. Well, I was for... the only. I was the only out person in my high school, so of course I was the go-to homosexual in my high school. I was the only one. Oh god! Right. <laughs> so it happened a handful of times. Yeah. Yeah. How how often were you guys having sex in high school? <laughs> Zero. I, that's I, why I'm so. I, well, I mean, don't I, ask, don't ask. I wasn't Elliot. having Good like, Lord. The orgies in high school. <laughs> uh. But Dan, Dan, let me ask you this because I know this is something that's kind of been relevant to both of our lives, mine as a porn addict, and you have dealt a lot with like dealing with addiction and drinking being, and being and in the porn business for years, <laughs> being in the porn <laughs> porn business yeah, for years. Yeah, but you've been uh, you've been like clean and sober for a long time now. How's that going? Well, right? I actually, I mean, I fucked up like. Um, I don't know, like, uh, like within, like, it's been hard, man. Like, I've, I've been good for the most part, but, you know, like, I, I still have a couple of years, you know, it's not like, sure. great. Um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, you know, th- this is, this quarantine is not good mm-hmm. for anybody. It's just you and, I mean, people, the people I know that are, by, I know people who are, like, getting sober in quarantine, and I'm like, how the <laughs> fuck do you do that? I know. They I know. Crazy triathlon sort of person to do that i i i one of the one of the earlier thoughts that i had during all of this was that like i remember thinking like how hard would it be right now when the world is you know kind of upside down and you don't have the distractions of work the gym you know seeing friends going to bar i guess not going to bars if you're an addict per se but like going out doing stuff and and then like all of a sudden you can't do any of it and all you have are your thoughts and i've thought a lot and i i think you know unfortunately the stats have have kind of borne this out that like it's been a really challenging time for people with addictions yeah man it's uh that's why you're seeing like a lot of breakups and a lot of like engagements Mm -hmm. (laughs) people are just like like hitting the accelerate button on everything yeah it's it's so true um i i i had a friend who had a whose therapist said that it's, quote, the busy season oh right God, now yes. <laughs> because everything has been really challenging. Who, what were you going to say, Who also, you know, was an addict and is struggling during the pandemic. And 
you know, she's talked a lot about sort of like the Zoom AA meetings or the Zoom meetings that she's been attending and like they're weird, but right. it's like oddly like a comforting lifeline for a lot of addicts who, who you know, which sure. I can totally I can relate to. Yeah, no, I mean, they're great, you know, and and so much better than Zoom comedy yeah. shows. Oh. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'll hear like, oh, it's a good Zoom comedy show and then I'll do it and it's like 17 people are there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you one of these twelve step meetings. You're just there, and there's like two or three hundred people. Wow, bigger audience, much bigger audience. You could maybe even like warm up. You could do a couple jokes up top, and then, time, and then yeah, do time up front. Right, there are people. That for okay, sure. so yeah. so I have a question. So, like, obviously, we're all we've all met in the comedy world, and and Dan, you've been doing stand up for obviously a very long time. So there's this whole world within comedy. Uh, that has become, I, I wouldn't really know how to describe it other than calling it sort of modern aggro. The idea of this, I know there's a thing called like Legion of Skanks and there's a podcast called like Come Town. <laughs> and there's this whole world <laughs> of uh, like dude, straight dude comedy that is like super su pseudo aggro. I know it doesn't necessarily traffic in like racism or misogyny but it feels like ancillary right. to that and i wonder how what not not even proud boys like just just this this like sort of millennial aggro thing that is not quite proud boys and i but but there's a world you know I, i've been reading about it and there's you know like there's been obviously some guys who have been canceled from it including the guy who was on snl last year that mm -hmm. got canned before he even made it onto the show he made oh, like some right. intense racist comments yeah. so like how do you as somebody who's you know very um sweet and you know clearly like an ally how do you navigate that side of things when it feels to me like you know for the most part i think so much of comedy and the people we surround ourselves with are quote unquote woke or woke enough and there's you know this this like agro mentality still exists in its own weird pocket yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I just, I don't consider myself woke or having the aggro uh -huh. mentality. Right. I consider myself somewhere, like, kind of floating around and being like, oh, I agree with that. I don't agree with that. Right, right. It's going to be funny. I mean, it just, it, everything mirrors the times, man. So you have, like, you know, just the people on, you know, like, because, you know, like, I've done, like, skanks. I like those guys. I like Jay and... um you know, Dave and Lewis, but you know, it's, it definitely is a different, like them, them and come town are very different. I like those guys too, but they're, they're very different. What is come town? So I, I mean, I read about it and I'm like, what, what is up? Like, uh, I mean, the last thing I read, I mean, uh, when I listened to it once, it was just like riffing uh -huh. and it was funny, but I don't really listen to a call it a comedy podcast, man. I would listen to fucking true crime <laughs> politics. Uh, you know, like I just never, uh, you know, like wrestling, yeah. which is kind of sad, a lot of sports, but yeah. I never, I never want to hear, like, I'm never excited to hear. I used to love last podcast on the left, mm -hmm. but I'm never like thrilled to do, to like yeah. listen. To I feel like podcasts. a lot of comedians are like that. I get asked like, you know, like on DMs all the time, people will message and say like, oh, have you listened to this podcast? And it'll be like a different comedy podcast. And I'm like, no, I'm li I'm listening to Rachel oh. Maddow podcast. <laughs> That's literally what I'm listening yeah, to. Right, I don't right. want to listen to comedians. I'll just text them if I want to like have a mild to do a podcast about the black dahlia yeah, 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 yeah. which there, are, there is not right. enough of there's not enough of those yeah not enough of them. there's only a few so of them upsetting. and there's not which means there isn't enough 
I went on a Black Dahlia tour in L.A. by myself. <laughs> and the guy, oh my God, dude. The guy who was like the host just covered in cat hair. Oh. Just um, Was it me? <laughs> was it what? me? It was, it was you. But he was like, he was a covered in cat hair. And then he'd be like, <laughs> the, the best thing about it is it's like, all right, so in the last, uh, the last thing we're going to actually show the you know, show that crate where they found her genitalia and her torso. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, right next to it, uh, we're going to be serving some Krispy Kremes. <laughs> right. My my boyfriend and I used to live by the Souden house there on Franklin, you know, here in L.A. And yeah, where, yeah, she, yeah. Which one's that? where she allegedly may have been murdered, like where they think that it might have happened. Oh, got one of the it. Theories. And every time Got we passed it, because we love we love the story. So every time we passed the house, we always waved. We were like, "Hi, let's." Oh go. my God, we love the story. <laughs> we do. We love this. It is fascinating. You know, I, I've said this. I've said this before. There's when when someone died long enough ago that they would have died had they not been murdered. Mm-hmm. Like they would. Like if it was a hundred years ago, eighty yeah. years ago, there's some weird like emotional disconnect mm-hmm. that you can have where I feel like those stories those kind of retellings we're we get a little weirder with them we get more personal we we show more more graphic photos more casual um like i remember doing a lizzie borden unit uh my like i had a sixth grade teacher uh who grew up in the lizzie borden house and we did a unit she grew up in the house it was she grew up in the house that's wild holy she was and she was a, a really great teacher but we did a unit all about like lizzie borden and i remember like going to the library and you could find fo- like pictures of basically the dad with his head caved in wow. uh, because he's like sh- chopped with an axe by his daughter. Who is Lizzie wow. Borden? Yeah, right. Oh, Elliot. Oh, Elliot. <laughs> Lizzie Borden's like a very famous like true crime from like the 1890s where a woman, um, she actually is like probably a dyke, but like a woman like killed her parents with an axe and she got away with it because they kind of didn't believe women were capable yeah. of murder back then. Plus a there few were a few things. serial killer women who there was one, I forget her name, but a really fascinating one where she would go around marrying men for money. And then she would like burn their houses down and the men would just die. And it would be a series of murders across all these States. And they were just like, Oh, poor widow. Like literally, yeah. literally. But in reality, she probably was like one of the most prolific serial killers in U S history. But she got I mean, away with it. Literally, like it wasn't until like the sixties or seventies that people thought that women were had even the disposition yeah. of being to be uh-huh. a murderer. Like uh-huh. you can literally, it's it's so true, Alan. And you can go back to like any number of like, the, albeit rare, female serial killers, and like <laughs> they were basically, you know, they would kill people in yeah. the open, but they're like, oh, she would never. She's they so she's so genteel. They didn't even have you a know? Term for serial killer until the late 70s. They had no word for it. They yeah, called it like, right, what did right, they call it? Sequence too. killers or something? Like they had no word for it. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, you should get on, you should get on some of these cases. You should find us like a female Wait, did, Dan, do you care? As, do you, are you as, are you that into true crime as much as these two? I'm into it. I mean, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm into it a lot. I was to that cold case uh, Australian mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. every week. Yeah, I listen to Sword and Scale, but that's kind of like my guilty. Yeah. You're gonna love this thing I'm working on. You're gonna rough. love the story I'm working on. I'm gonna check it out. Like if it's a good story, I'll I, I always gravitate towards it. But it's you know, I don't know. There's they're all they they're all hitting the same beats now. They're really fun, but it's all the same. Like you know, there's gonna be like the audio at the beginning of like you know like <laughs> tackling audio of like 
uh, no, that was the that was the worst thing I've ever done. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> deciphering oh, two episodes on you thinking it's that guy. I do think actually, comedians. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, like I've thought about this a lot about because I find a lot of comedians are like truly into true crime in a very deep way. I mean, our past guest Georgia, you know, who does the my favorite murder, Your Heart Stark, yeah. So like you know, yeah. there's why comedians are drawn to to true crime, and I think it's because we're so obsessed with like the human condition and like how people react to things and why people react to things. Yeah. We're not necessarily, I mean, at least for me, I'm not obsessed with necessarily the murder. I'm obsessed with like, what would bring someone to do the action? Like how did, what was that Mm. breaking point for them that would, that would make them do that? And it's the same with comedy. I think you, 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 why do we do these weird things that we do? And then we make jokes about it. Like it's very similar. That's I lost the credit. Comedy, <laughs> yeah, no, comedy. Comedy is just like killing a family yeah. of four. I couldn't yeah, agree more. Truly, uh, you killed Brent. You killed. <laughs> Wait, Dan. Dan, have you had a chance to play Brent's the Brent the game that Brent created? No. What? What? He created a board game called FBI Profiler, where you guess whether videos and testimonies from real life. Um, potential criminals are lying or they're telling the truth and basically yeah. you play FB, fbi profiler until you you know uh, 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 figure out that you, if who you can guess is telling the truth you, the best. you use your gut to see if if the per, if the accused is guilty or not oh wow and i'm, Wait, I'm very i'm very proud of that thank dan you, thank i you have so to much. ask Check you a question out. because i have a feeling there's probably like four listeners out there who who heard Elliot ask this question like, about your? Did you kill those women? No, no, not that, <laughs> not that. But thank you. about Elliot <laughs> asked you about your dogs, and and we never got the answer. And I feel like there are people probably wanting to know about these dogs, <laughs> these animals that you guys have. Oh, well, I mean, like fucking um, what's it called? Uh, she's great, but it's it's also like I think I did it to keep from going insane. She's like a lot of work. Uh, what's her name? Her name's Goldie. Right, and she's in addition to Mushu. Mushu, yeah, they hate each other. So like half the day is like, you know, us separating. Which uh-huh. I think for a couple, I think like having fighting animals is good because you're right. like, we're not, we're not this bad. We're not this bad. Right. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can thank where can you uh, just uh, only fans? No. <laughs> 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 No, I, I'm just on Instagram and Twitter. And if you like wrestling, I got a wrestling podcast, Total F and Marks. And oh, that's great. got it, man. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing it, man. It's so pleasure. good to see you. Yeah. And another thing. So I found a video of Werner Herzog uh, giving like uh, like a, you know, in a like a Q&A session at you know some like you know self masturbatory like film school right. thing you need to tell people who Werner Herzog is <laughs> yeah you really oh, <laughs> you son of a bitch I thought, I mean, or you're going to have to get somebody smarter for your program no most people most people don't know <laughs> okay, who Werner right. Herzog is so Werner yeah. Herzog is a uh, a documentary filmmaker from i think Germany he's a german he's a oh, very yes. stoic uh arguably uh, unemotional man, humorless, yeah, humorless, humorless uh, man that everyone kind of loves for, for like kind of for those reasons. He made uh, a couple famous documentaries. The one I know the best is Grizzly Man. He made that Grizzly like Man, 2004 yeah, or whatever. And but he's very famous for being kind of like matter of fact and factual. You know, just to be stereotypical, classic German. 
And uh, he gave, I found an interview at a talkback recently at a film screening where he said this. For me, a man is a man. I cannot distinguish a gay man from a straight man. I just cannot distinguish unless the man comes in drag and, and is so obvious, obviously gay, then I would notice. I would notice. And, and I, I saw a filmmaker uh, whom I know since 35 years, uh, um, John Waters. John Waters, just, just two weeks ago or so, John Waters. And I turned to my wife. We talked backstage because we were both uh, introducing uh, or speaking at an event for, for the founder of New Line Cinema, who is a friend of both of us. After 35 years of, of knowing John Waters, I, I turned to my wife and I said to her, I have the feeling this man is gay. <laughs> so I just thought that clip was so funny because it's, I mean, it's just hilarious. But also like, <laughs> it's hilarious. like I didn't know, like, what are, what are you- And random. And so random and almost unbelievable if it wasn't Werner Herzog. You know, if anyone else yeah. said it, you'd be like, oh, fuck off. You're like putting on a show. But Herzog and the way he tells the story, you're like, no, I think I think that's legit. <laughs> so like, is that good? Is it bad? Like, what what were your thoughts? What do you guys think of that? I will, I will say before we go that we do have a connection to Werner Herzog in that we have commun I have communicated with John Waters about doing this Whoa. podcast. Oh, yes. And it was, it's going to happen. It has to happen. It will happen someday my thinking is this dude is he's probably done a lot of pot in his life <laughs> and he is super chill and he's one of those like filmmaker artist people who literally will be like sort of like buzz drunk at a bar and will meet you and will be like you know i don't i don't care about gay dudes i mean I, I see penises and penises are beautiful. Mm -hmm. He's one of those guys who like will tell you about why he thinks a penis is beautiful, but why he's not gay. Mm. It's what, what, I mean, I'm also curious, like, you know, Alan, you, you're German. You've been to Germany. You are familiar with Many the, times. The, yes. the ethnicity of it all. Like what is so, what is particular, is that a particularly okay. German trait yes. to be so dry that you can't <laughs> recognize yes. someone who's clearly yes, it, gay? It is. It is, yes, it very much is. Um, I will say that is a recent sort of uh, invention, mm. if you will, for, for that type of person in Germany. It's, it's in the past like 30 years, particularly around Berlin, but German in general is, Germany in general is like, in urban centers is very chill and is very sort of like smooth and it just doesn't, you don't see people that way, primarily because in a lot of ways it's illegal to see people that mm. way. I mean, the laws there are very strict on, on you know, the civil rights laws are there are very strict. And, and so there is this sort of, in many circles, now not to say that there isn't a fascist, right-wing, crazy sure. part of German culture, there definitely is. But that said, for, for the most part, within artistic circles, it is very sort of fluid. And the comedian also is a director of documentaries about death. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's there's this back and forth that that culture has. And he is very much one of those straight dudes, like I said, that you would meet at a German bar and you would have a deep conversation about that one time he got a blowjob at a bar from a dude. It's just so hard. It's so hard to imagine someone being so, I, I don't mean this in a negative or condescending way, but just so um like, disconnected from the person they're talking to that they 
maybe this is an American privilege thing, but like that they don't consider what that person, who that person goes home to when that person, I don't know if John Waters is normally in relationships or not, but like if John Waters has ever mentioned being in a relationship, like it just feels to me, it's, it's refreshing because like, you know, obviously we live in a world where a lot of people care very deeply, some in a really, really bad way, whether you're gay or not. So I, I think it's a great thing. So I'm not arguing against it, but I just, I almost can't conceive of a mind that doesn't just go there. Does it at least think about yeah. any realm of like, you know, well, that's possibility, just, that's, what, right? that's why it is a little, I, I don't, he does seem quite earnest. And I think based on what yeah. Alan said, I do, I believe that he was being earnest, but we are conditioned, especially not just as comedians, but as Americans to just, you know, we want to, we want to talk about the taboo thing. I mean, that's why someone like, you know, and you want to put people in the category, right? Right, exactly. And I think you yeah. want to make sense of things immediately. And it's mm. not even necessarily judgmental. It's just like I got your brain has to make sense of things. Yeah, and and there is. I'm oh sorry, no, I'm... I just was saying. I think that that is the part of it where I think that's probably just the world we live in. And maybe he's just, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it is. It's it's very nice and earnest to see that. But I I also think there is, and I mean, there's a lot of thought think pieces that have probably been in things that Elliot's read on the (laughs) Times blogs that he likes where there is, but I do believe it, that there is a devaluing there. There's a liberal sense of like, Oh, I don't, I don't see color. Yeah. How you come or I don't see color. There's that element of it that does then devalue the lived experience of the marginalized person. Meaning that, you know, you have to see a person's color. You have to necessarily see their sexuality because it is different from your lived experience. And that's okay to see it. And it's okay to acknowledge the different Hmm. lived experiences and then value that difference and not let it be a hindrance to how you relate to that person, but at least recognize that their life is different. Their values are different. What they do is different. And I think, I think there is something to that. So I'm not saying he necessarily is devaluing the queer person's lived experience, but I do think, you know, John Waters is very much a proud, very proud gay man who has, has built a career on being a proud gay man. And so you want to see John Waters as a proud gay mm-hmm. man. Like you definitely it's in, do. It's interesting, Alan. I um I don't see color like you. I don't know. Maybe I <laughs> maybe I'm a little more open minded than you are. But yeah, I had a. This reminds me. I did have one. Like there was one guy in my um guy in my life. I worked for this guy briefly in college, who worked. Guy yeah. In my why life. did I say guy in my life? What am I talking about? It sounds like some like stranger I have sex in a basement or something. Um, and his name was Jeffrey, and he. Uh, like he was my boss for like a brief period of time. And I forget exactly how the conversation came about, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm gay. I don't know if you knew that. And I just remember Jeffrey, who was like the most PC Ann Arborite ever, like never spoke above a whisper, Mm -hmm. just goes, Brent, I can't imagine a worse way to waste my time than thinking about other people's sexualities. (laughs) And I just just thought it was so funny to to like hear this man. And and of course, like, you know, circa 2003, you're like, he speaks to my soul, you know? But then looking back, you're like, how did you not like at one point think about it? But like, you know, I don't know. I guess I find it very charming and sweet. So. Hats off to you, Jeffrey, and you, Warner Herzog. What would your aunt say? 
Okay, Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? Tell Alan he dates himself when he says people, quote, have done a lot of pot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My Aunt Joanne would say, Tic Tacs makes videos now? (laughs) How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you know, we have always recognized your sexuality. And frankly, we thought it was going to be our meal ticket. And we're still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, guys, we shall see each other on the other side. The other side of this, hopefully with good news. (sighs) Oh, this is so nerve wracking. I can't. I can't. Well, I am Elliot Glazer. (laughs) I'm Elliot Glazer's mother. (laughs) And I'm... uh, I'm the lesbian that he dated in first grade. (laughs) (laughs) You wrestled with. Uh, Right. (laughs) Dated. 